the Far Post podcast. We're back for another Express Post from the Women's World Cup. This one will have decidedly less voice notes than yesterday's, but we can't wait to talk about what was an absolutely extraordinary day at the Women's World Cup. So much fun, so many things to talk about, so we absolutely cannot wait to crack in. But before we do, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's Express Post, you have me, Marissa Lordanik, Anna Harrington, and Angela Christian-Wilkes. So... Friends, we shall start as we have for the last couple of ones with a quick little Oz update. Obviously, we are recording on Monday. The Tillies will play Canada later tonight. We had the Matchday Minus One press conferences yesterday. Harrow, you were there. Is there anything that we need to know from these press conferences? Uh, Not really, other than that. The Matildas and Tony Gustafson are clearly aware of just how state how, how high stakes this game is. Like, um, I mean, there's really no middle ground. It's it's really either you keep your World Cup on home soil dream alive, or it's one of the lowest points in Australian football history. Depending on how it plays out, like there's not really a middle ground. Um, like even a brave exit is still an exit in the group stage. So it's um, even Tony himself said it would be a failure if they don't make it out of the group. Um, he's described it as a crossroads. Emily Van Eglon described it as high stakes. Um, both Van Eglon and I spoke to Elise Kellen Knight separately, um, reflected on the miracle of Montpellier as an example of how this team can do things backs to the wall. Um, I think they'll go in with that sort of belief. Um, how much Sam Kerr will play, we shall see. Um, our photographer, um, James Ross, uh, did get photos at the familiarisation session where uh, Kerr stayed in the tunnel, but she did have that compression bandage back on her left calf so what that means we don't know we shall see um whether Sam, how much Sam Kerr will be involved we shall see um how much dare and risk they take into this game we shall see and uh whether they can do it um there's no doubt they can I think they clearly believe they can do it and they've got every right to like those games those friendlies against Canada were close both teams were missing players um it's really Australia with it all to do um, and I think they're well aware of that. It's it's a big game. It's a huge game. But this is what you play for, right, these big moments. So, yeah, I, I've gone between, like, feeling good and confident. Um, I've never had the full-blown, like, it's all over bar when they just lost to Nigeria, right? I think as soon as you have one sleep, you're like, okay, I've either felt confident or I felt nervous. And today I think you just – everyone I've spoken to, you just feel a little bit sick with anticipation. So, yeah, it's huge. There's not really anything to add. Oh, Mary Fowler will be available. Ivy Lewis won't. Um, so that's exciting. Hopefully she starts, and hopefully we we see those changes made. Those changes made when required, and yeah, bring it on. I guess. I feel like that whole segment really could have just been summed up with "We'll wait and see," because I feel like that's just been the the go to phrase ever since we lost to Nigeria. And also, my God, the value of a good sleep. Like, I I was ready to end it all, basically, uh, the day after Nigeria because I was in desperate need of a sleep. I got back to glorious Melbourne. I have had a good sleep and now I feel okay. So um, it's good news all around. But, yeah, it's going to be massive. Obviously, we will debrief that one no matter the outcome in tomorrow's episode. So make sure you tune into that. But let's talk about the games from yesterday because we had – 
some really, really fun games and just some really stunning goals. And it feels silly to start anywhere else other than the Colombia 2, Germany 1 result. And specifically within that match, Linda Caicedo's goal, which I think (laughs) I spoke about it with uh, bronze goal for Argentina. I was like, have we just seen the goal of the tournament? I would like to rescind that. Have we now seen the goal of the tournament after Linda Caicedo's effort? Oh my god! Surely the way the way she danced between those defenders is extraordinary. Like you you look at the play. Like I think when you start watching that play and you're like, oh yeah, this should be pretty straightforward. You know, she's got the ball. You just got to you know defend, just jockey, and we'll see what happens. And she just like, I, I don't know what those poor defenders could have done. She's the way she danced between both of them. And um, the footwork is just insane. And then to curl that strike home with, like, like she had so little time to do it, so little space to do it. And the way she used her own incredible footwork to create the space and to, um, to whip that shot in is, is just extraordinary. And she's 18. Like, and this is coming off a week where there was that scare about her because she um, – not collapsed, but sort of dropped to the ground, holding her chest during training, right? There was that bit of a scare. She sort of fainted or – but um, they, they cleared her to play and then, yeah, that, that was just magical, um, that piece of play. And just everything about this victory for Colombia was, I thought, like um, that was the goal. Yeah, that, but that goal. Angela, is it, is it goal of the tournament at this point? Yeah, I think – oh, it just – the. The way it curled in and the way it just hit the, ah, so, so lovely. Yeah. And such a special moment. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think most of our listeners might be familiar with um, Caicedo's like backstory, but she had ovarian cancer when she was 15 and she's come back from that. And it's just like, what an incredible story. Like, first of all, to even, you know, come back to professional football and be competing, but to do this at a world cup and be the difference in a game like this is absolutely huge. And yeah, just it such a special moment. Definitely. I think on a lot of levels, it's got like the, the cultural, like the story behind it. It's got the, the banger finish. It's got the technical side of it as well. It's just, it ticks all the boxes really. So yeah, goal of the tournament so far and also game of the tournament so far. Um, which is actually a pretty big claim, I think. There's been so many incredible matches so far this um, in the group stage. So, I'm sorry, friend of the pod, Stu, Marissa? No, he said that we need to uh, look into basically banger of the tournament. So if we have to watch all of the really good goals again, that is oh, a sacrifice no. the pod is willing to make. Um, so I reckon at the conclusion of the group stage, we will present our banger of the tournament thus far. So... Keep your but eyes also, out for that one. <laughs> but also, this had to be result of the tournament so far as well, surely. Like, Germany, the way Germany had demolished Morocco, you're like, oh, good, the German machine is back. Um, they were not. Um, and Colombia are the first team through from that group with two wins. Um, I pumped them up so much after the Korea game, as you know. I really liked them. I had high hopes for them um, based on being Copper America runners up and. Hearing from um, SBS's own one based in Melbourne, who's a Chilean journo, um, about how much investment they'd put into women's football, which is one of the reasons why Chile, for example, didn't qualify. They aren't matching it. And, yeah, just the 
the way they play is so fun. That crowd is incredible. The the scenes when the goals have gone in, the scenes when the national anthem's playing and um, it's Sydney Football Stadium, right, it was just rocking. It's incredible. Um, there's so much support. I think um, it's interesting looking at the reaction globally. I think a lot of people, say, who aren't South American don't realise how big a South American or Latino community there is in Australia and especially Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne. There's... Um, there's a lot of Colombians and Brazilians as well, as I mentioned from the other day. But, um, yeah, it just looked like it was rocking. Um, and I think as a general rule, when Germany equalised in, like, the 89th minute, you go, this is going one of two ways. Um, you're holding on for a draw or Germany are going to, you know, be inevitable and roll over the top of you. And instead, it, it's Germany who were, like, so lax at the defending for a corner in, like, the last minute of extra time. You're like... This is real. Uh, if you thought the Matildas collapsed late in a half of, of uh, against Nigeria, this is much worse. Like just switch, just switched off completely in like the ninety seventh minute. To yeah, it was a great header, fantastic, great leap. She rose so high, so powerful, um, like wonderful header. But should she have been in the position to be able to score it? I think Germany. Uh, I think Germany, as soon as they hit the back of the net, went, "Oh no, oh no," um, but. Fantastic for Colombia, well-deserved. And I think they've established themselves early days as a real dark horse. Um, just wonderful control and skill. And uh, I love when you watch players, and Cassetta is one example, when they've got that – and Katrina Gori from the Matildas, for example, is a, is a good example. It's when Alex Chidiak with that low centre of gravity that are so strong. And, you know, as I mentioned, I hated that the narrative around them was all around physicality. When people talk about physicality, I think they assume it's just crunching tackles and fouls and, like, shitousery and – you know, knocking people off the ball, but it's different. It's like a really good type of physicality. It's like you go into a 50-50 and they're going to win or they are going in for a challenge and they come away with it or they can hold on to the ball and, like, really create something and kickstart something from that. Um, and just funny, I was just watching not necessarily the full level of the brilliance of the Casado goal, but you go, um, geez, I'd, I'd love to see our players sort of dance between the lines like that and, <laughs> and do that. Um, it's um, it's funny, KK said one thing that Alex Chidiak and Caitlin Ford can do is, is you know, get between the lines. That's what's different to our other attackers. Um, but, yeah, I, I love watching Columbia play. They really deserve it. And they could well be top of the group, which I think would take them to Melbourne. Am I right? I can't help no? you with the bracket at all. No thoughts. Colum- but, yeah. Could be Columbia, Brazil, the rumours have it in Melbourne. That would go fucking. Oh, that would be so fun. much fun. If you thought if you thought Matilda's Canada was the hottest ticket in town, that is gonna be like nothing else. That would be so good. But also just I suppose um the fact that Colombia is leading this group on six points. Surely no one saw that at all. I remember when we did the preview pod, we kind of spoke about like Germany daylight and then a real scrap fight between the other three, but Colombia's good results and Morocco's historic win over Korea have meant that this group, it is definitely as fun as we expected, but it is fun in ways that we absolutely did not expect. I'd hate to see Korean soccer, like South Korean soccer Twitter right now. It would not be in a good way. It'd be in a really bad way, I think. (laughs) Like, after, you know, they probably should have won the Asian Cup and really mm. coughed that up. Um, 
I know we don't like to talk about it, but they like they gave up what should have been an unassailable lead against China in that Asian Cup one. They should have been coming into this World Cup feeling really confident, right? And like feeling like they could make an impact and they're not getting out of the group and they're already eliminated two games in. Like that's just like catastrophic failure for them. So yeah. But Morocco, how good? First goal? Like first win? Um, I was so happy for them, especially after they thought they'd scored against Germany and it got chalked off for offside. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I love when a team, you cop a, if you cop a bad result like that, show up the next game with like a fresh intent and just put it behind you. And that's clearly what they've done, right? Angela, do you have, yeah. Sorry, I feel like we should have, you guys should do a signal when my internet sucks. So I know because you kind of just look a bit confused and then I'm like, am I a robot right now or am I a person? Um, We will do that from now on, but you look fantastic right now. Oh, thank you. I woke up with like really nice hair this morning. So glad that it's actually working now. Um, Also, Laurie, if you're listening, if you cut me out one more time of our videos, watch out my guy. Well, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's because I'm always on like a vertical. Anyway, don't worry. We'll get into it. Um, I just wanted to make note of the fact that Morocco made history as well with Nuhaila Benzina becoming the first player at a World Cup to wear the hijab. Um, uh, I'm just going to kind of, what is it? Sharon? That's not the right handball word. Handball it? But I'll, handball it. Handball it. I rec- really recommend if um, you want kind of more information and insight around that to go to Shireen Ahmed because she closely follows um, the this topic in sport and um, rightly made the point that, you know, we kind of need to keep the energy going for things like the hijab ban that's happening in France at the moment where women and girls can't wear the hijab and play football. So, yeah, but just a huge moment as well and I'm sure that that means so much for so many people so chat up there no it's fantastic and um i think shireen some others might have said um hopefully people don't just look at this as an opportunity for their content or to share like an inspirational moment like look at how this affects the real world like for example in france where top players can't well, players, full stop, not just top players, sorry, players can't wear the hijab to play. And imagine how many players this is um, costing an opportunity to actually shine and be at that top level um, that want to wear the hijab or, um, and be able to play football. They're not able to do that. And obviously somewhere like France is a huge diaspora that aren't able to play because of this ruling. So um, I think we would be negligent if we didn't also mention that, um, that it's not just about the moment. And she played very well as well. I think she'd be no. She was one of the players of the match. Um, I don't think she was the FIFA player of the match, but she was clearly one of the standouts. Um, yeah, I think it's important to to note that. Um, and also, while we're at it, just the history was uh, Ibtissam Jaredi, who scored the goal, um, becomes their first goal scorer at a Women's World Cup. So that's fantastic. No one can ever take that away from you. And they're still alive in this group. I know things have to go their way. They have to be... Colombia, they have to rely on South Korea turning up for the first time to do something against Germany for them. But still alive. And even if they go out of it after after this last round of games, they can hold their heads high. 
They absolutely can. And it was just, it was a really beautiful, fun result. So it was once again lovely to be reminded of all of the joy that this Women's World Cup can bring and has brought not only to these teams, but the diaspora communities here, obviously all of the communities back home as well. Um, It was just really wonderful to see. You were kind of talking about it at the start, Harrow, though, but yeah, Korea, great kit really bad performance like it's just not clicking for them at all but the good news for them is that they do have another match to potentially do something maybe just show a little bit of fight um in this tournament for four teams the world cup group stage is already completed so we'll move on to group a who had their final matches of the group stage we now know that Norway and Switzerland have progressed through to the round of 16, which means the Philippines and New Zealand's tournaments are over. The way we got this was a scoreless draw between New Zealand and Switzerland and Norway deciding to show up and put six past the Philippines. So um, kind of madness that Norway decided to rock up in the final match, but they really said... Uh, up yours, Philippines. Basically, we're we're ready to score now. Um, and up yours, New Zealand, because if they'd won like one nil, um, and the other game had stayed a draw, I think New Zealand would have got through on head to head. Yes, that so it was really right. like we got a win, but we also got a win big. Oh, Norway! All right, lads, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Um, so I'd love takes on either of these games or just kind of the overall vibes out of Group A. I think we do need to start with Norway, though, because mm. Sophie Romanhag really just said, hello, Arda Hegerberg, you don't need her. I'm here. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Having having made jokes in, I think, all three of their games about, is this warmer, Arda Hegerberg? Because they've got the same <laughs> hair and they are blonde. And she is also a striker. They're normal. Um, she showed me what's what. She showed me what's what. No, but the same little, like, sort of, braid at the front and everything like the start the hairstyle um and she was suit to be fair she was actually impressive when she started against switzerland as well it just didn't fall her way but geez the philippines have seen, been so brave this tournament and they've worked so hard and i don't know if it's the wheels fell off or just that norway was so good or maybe a little bit of a combination of both i think you get hit I think the fact that Norway scored early really hurt them. And then they added a second so quickly. Um, so they're up 2-0 within the first, what, 20 minutes or 17 minutes or something. And then from there, it kind of felt like an inevitability. And I'm not saying that impacted how the Philippines played at all. They were unlucky with a with an own goal when they were trying to block out a cross and that sort of thing. But Norway just turned up. Like they've been under the heat. You know, stuff's been leaking about their their hard conversations that they've had with Hegelisa, the big chats and the big players all coming together and, you know, we're under the pump. And sometimes it's that siege mentality. It works. Like I imagine as much as things have clearly been dysfunctional in that uh, camp and that's probably going to come back and get them again in the knockouts, let's be honest, um, unless they can really sort their shit out. They've also would have a, they also would have a lot of pride like this would be a team where you got a lot of big names um, in the peak of their career and I wouldn't be surprised if you sort of got together and went, well, as much as things are not going to plan, like we don't get another shot at this for another four years and qualifying out of Europe is difficult enough as it is. So they've, I don't want to say they pulled their finger out because I'm sure they were trying in the other games, but they just made it work this time. 
Um, and it was, yeah, really quite scary. Um, the, the sixth goal you can sort of write off a little bit because it was already down to 10 and, you know, like it was, it was done. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was big. It was a proper thwumpin' as well in terms of, like, there's been games which have had, I feel like, these kind of score lines so far that maybe weren't reflective of the performance but Norway dominated in like every category that you could dominate um which I think yeah points to they were there was a shift in mentality there and they're like no we're not just gonna win we're just gonna put everything out there and yes uh and it's sad that the Philippines were the on the receiving end of that um and but yeah, like you said, Harry, like credit to the Philippines and for their journey to this tournament and what they've done, because that is also um, an incredible story. And uh, hopefully they can come out the other side of this and, and keep showing up and keep developing, because I think there's a lot, um, there's a lot of growth there that can be had. So that was a sentence. That was a sentence. Anyway, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting whether this is a sustained thing for Norway Mm. like is this going to be is is it a light switch are they here now or um are they going to come up against an opposition that maybe they rate more highly than the Philippines and they sink back into being complacent yeah not flat track bullying I don't know yeah yeah I think coming into this game it wasn't a flat track bully game because Philippines had shown plenty like they gave a bit in that loss to Switzerland albeit being outclassed and they obviously won against New Zealand and had shown that they're really defensively dogged yeah they just they just pulled them apart um and obviously it's I can't really it's hard to reel off all the stats like possession because obviously that would have been even more slanted post um the Philippines going down to 10 players but I mean the shots it's like 31 shots um and 13 on target for Norway and I think the Philippines had what one shot on target from four shots total. Like, it's just a complete domination. Like, yeah, I'll be interested to see if they can do the thing going into the into the round of 16 um, and onwards or if this is just their one little moment where they show everyone what they can do and they just sink back into underachieving again. It'd be fascinating. Also, Graham Hansen's goal was a banger. Like, the way she struck that, like... Well, comes through, and it just felt like it was never going anywhere. But in the goal, and uh, yeah, sort of bottom corner, she just rifled it. I was like, "All the very best, Olivia McDonald. You have made some terrific saves, but you're not going to need this one." So, yeah, a little bit of a reminder of her quality as well. I really do feel for New Zealand, uh, being out on a nil all draw as well. Like that just feels. Yeah, very rough. Going out um, on four points is uh is never fun. In yeah, some groups, it's but I suppose a testament to the yeah again to how competitive this World Cup is and how competitive the group stage has been so far that that can happen. But yeah, feeling feeling for our co-hosts and our neighbours because I yeah I think they definitely surprised a lot of people with how they've showed up at this World Cup and um as Ali Riley was saying post-game, hopefully that now they have the impact of this and hopefully 
it can do the thing and, and bring lots of women and girls into football and, and make it a bigger thing in New Zealand. It just makes that Philippines loss and everything that came with it, the Hannah Wilkinson being offside by her ear or her butt or her top knot or whatever it was, the um, McDaniel save right at the end, just failing to get the job done in that game, I reckon it just would make it sting that extra bit because, I mean, you win against Norway and you get a point against Switzerland. Like if you'd told them before the tournament they were going to do that, I reckon they'd be thinking we'd have been through because they'd have backed themselves to get at least a point against the Philippines. So, yeah, poor Kiwis. Definitely feeling for our Fernie friends over there. I'm hopeful that we can maybe get someone on from New Zealand just to have a little chat about everything that this kind of means for them and obviously reusing everyone's favourite word, legacy, and what this result, now that we know what it is, actually means uh, for New Zealand and for football. But I wanted to say just on the Ferns, Jackie Hand impressed me so much across the three group stage games. Get her in the dub, someone. Like, I don't know if she has signed for the Knicks or for someone else, but I want to see more of her. Please let me see more of her. I thought she was absolutely fantastic um, across all three group games. And just going back to Norway really quickly, I don't know if either of you listened to yesterday's pod, but I uh, brought up the Golden Bonds, which is the brainchild of friend of the pod, Sophie Lawson, because uh, there have just been a lot of headed goals. So Sophie Roman Haag has basically taken the lead in the Golden Bonds. Um, and I just, I just love, I thought Golden Bonds was a very us joke. So I'm very happy to steal that from Sophie and make it um, a thing in the pod. But is there anything else we would like to talk about today? Uh, I feel like we are very blessed to be able to do this on so many episodes, but the other night in Brizzy, um, where, what am I doing? I'm just making sure I've, I've got my details right. Yes, a uh, friend of the pod, Olivia, came and said hello, and that was really lovely um I don't know I'm terrified of going up to people that I kind of like have parasocial or like know from the internet but don't really know and yeah it was just so lovely to chat and thank you so much um for supporting us and for listening and hope you enjoy the rest of the tournament um and yeah what a again what a game the France Brazil game fantastic but anyway just just reminiscing on that now but yeah I and thank you also to everyone who's been listening to the pod this tournament like kind of it's kind of overwhelming um the the numbers that we're getting not to brag I don't know are we you know what that's such an Aussie thing tall poppy syndrome but go us and thank you yeah to everyone who's been tuning in um it's it's I think, Marissa, you were stressing that the daily pods were uh, a, a choice, but I think it's been a really, really good choice. It's It's been hard work, but we're glad to see that it's actually been good and that people are enjoying it. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention, and I'm just trying to find the specific, specific statistics, um, is just about crowd numbers. Like, we were absolutely in awe at the 49,000 for France-Brazil 40k for Colombia, Germany, just every like crowd figure is just more and more of a justification of everything that this tournament 
is about it's about you know getting behind women it's about showing up for big events it's about showing up for football and I just it makes me so so happy so um we're currently averaging thanks to sports industry for uh these stats on twitter he's at footy industry au um an average of 26 and a half thousand people per match across australia and new zealand and this is just in the group stage you know what i mean so every time they talk about like "Mm, that crowd was low teens I'm like are you mad that crowd was low teens that absolutely rules like I I'm just not having anyone shitting on any of the crowds because every single one has been absolutely incredible and every time someone shits on New Zealand specifically I'm like no 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 what they are doing is just as incredible as what we are doing if you actually think about the context of population and all that other stuff so um Australia specifically where over half a million people have gone to games in Australia and we're rocking like 94% capacity of each of these stadiums um and it's just it's been so wonderful to like I suppose be justified in knowing that this tournament was going to absolutely rule and it has so I simply cannot wait for the rest of these group stage matches. I can't wait for the knockouts and for basically Australia and New Zealand to continue being football nations because that's what we are and we can finally put that conversation to rest and actually exert our energy onto more useful things rather than debating whether or not we're football nations. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, that was my little soapbox (laughs) moment. Um, As we said, we are recording on the morning of the Monday of the Tillies game. So we've got four matches coming up today. Group C will be decided. And I think the one that everyone will kind of be keeping an eye on there is Japan, Spain, because we're going to find out who finishes top of group C in that one. Costa Rica and Zambia will also face off. So we hope that one of them gets to enjoy a little something, something from this world cup. And then obviously at 8 PM Australian Eastern standard time, we have the Republic of Ireland and Nigeria up in Brisbane and Canada, Australia at the misses to decide group b so we will talk about all of that tomorrow we absolutely can't wait there's lots of yarns for you to read across espn.com.au abc and aap from myself harrow and sam but i think that's us done for today as always we are over on espn.com.au and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of your usual pod spots. Make sure you subscribe so you get these daily podcasts into your feed directly. Um, if you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tillies and see you. Later.